0: Hello, I'm Mark McCurgo and welcome to the Village in the City podcast, helping you build micro-local community where you live. Hello and welcome to this fifth Village in the City podcast. On this occasion I'm talking to the Reverend Nick Bowery and we're talking about how to engage with churches and other establishments that you might find within your neighbourhood or village in the city area. Nick's a very interesting guy. He's the rector of St. James the Less in Pennycook, which is a town outside Edinburgh here in Scotland, where I am. He had a successful career and then felt later in life the call to the church, and he's been a vicar for about five years. And we talk about how in general vicars and churches might view Uh, the arrival of neighbourhood groups and indeed they're very supportive about it and Nick has some very interesting things to say about both what he's been doing in Pennycook and also some general ideas about ways to approach churches to get a successful collaboration relationship going and he stresses that you don't need to be a church goer in order to forge successful relationships with churches in your neighbourhood. Nick started our conversation by talking about Pennycook, where he's based.
1: Pennycook is a town uh, about 10 miles south of Edinburgh. Historically, it was a town that had three large paper mills, powered by the local North Esk River and a coal mine in the town. Now, the last of the paper mills closed in the 60s. Um, Coal mine went in the late 70s, early 80s. And it was quite a depressed place. When I first drove through here in about 1980, it was a pretty depressing place. Now it's uh, Midlothian, the local authority area is the fastest growing in terms of population in Scotland um, because people want to live in here because it's cheaper than living in Edinburgh. It's just become a dormitory town. Central of the town has been, looks a bit depressed still. Like many places, retail park, on the north side in between here and Edinburgh drew most of the people away from it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work on trying to regenerate the town centre.
0: Excellent, excellent. We're going to come to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, now, Village in the City emerged out of Covid and my experiences of the Covid lockdown here. What, yeah. what was the Covid lockdown like for you and what did you see emerging? where you okay. are.
1: Yeah, what we saw in Pinnacook was the largest number of volunteers in Midlothian uh, applying to help their neighbors. Over 300 people came forward uh, to help deliver prescriptions, take food, you know, do shopping for people and various things like that. And that sort of organically happened. And two groups formed and luckily neither of the groups had big egos and they both joined together to create Pinnacook ambassadors. We also let them use our church hall and people donated toys, books, games, computer games, all sorts of things. And then there was about, at its height, over 200 deliveries a week from our hall to people's houses, various things for kids to play with, books to read and so on and so forth, uh, with a really good system of quarantining the stuff when it came back so it wouldn't go into circulation and all the rest of it. And that was a really wonderful, just organic sort of um, caring for our neighbours. And then there was another group called Helping Hands, which started by a young kid who was about 14 that was a bit annoyed at how scruffy the streets were getting. And Helping Hands then became a group of about 30 people that every week went out and tidied up a bit of grass or uh, some of the hedges that were growing over the the pavements, forcing people to walk on the road, things like that. And so the community council uh, bought them some high-vis vests and some shears and gloves and things like that. And they, they got on with the job and they tied up the town centre. It, it got really scruffy in that time. And they're continuing now, just doing our bits and bobs. So they're the two most obvious things. But below that, Excellent. there''s just been an awful lot of good neighbourly caring for each other.
0: Yes, it's fascinating how that's just emerged in this... Yeah in this very, very uh, unusual time. So I'm gonna uh, talk to Nick now about Village in the City and about about what he's his experiences of that and how to engage with churches. We're gonna do that for about 15, 20 minutes. There'll be a chance for questions. Nick, you, you've you been to several of the Village in the City calls thus far. What attracted, what interested you in, in what we're trying to do?
1: I think, because my background, having worked in Aberdeen, doing some ABCD work there with the Health and Social Care Partnership and the Council, I could immediately see the benefit of what you're trying to do. And because of what I'm trying to do in Pellicook, I just thought, yeah, this is a group. I enjoy a conversation. Uh, I like sparking ideas of other people, getting inspiration from people like the Willowbray group you had earlier, fascinating project, and just see what is so possible, what, what you can do. So for me, I, I think it's a really good place just as a marketplace, a place to learn, a place to listen, right. be inspired. Excellent. Um, yeah, that's thank what That's have well, Thank to.
0: you, because that's very much what we're, what we're, my ambition is for this project, is to inspire people, connect people, so we can all, all learn together as we all tackle our, you know, working in our own uh, little places. What have you been doing then in Pennycook? You talked about your, your key thing is developing the community there. What have you been up to?
1: Okay, well, obviously as a church, although we're not right in the centre of the town, we have got plant, so we did help out, let's say, by using our hall for that time. That was the first thing, and that gave me a way into connecting with other people. Covid also was a marvellous opportunity for me as a a priest, trying to get into a community as I'd moved into it, to actually meet lots of people. I became part of what was called a resilience group, which anybody could come into on a Monday afternoon call on, on Zoom, And there I got to meet people from the council, from the NHS, from the GP surgeries, from the community council, people that run various projects in the high school, the two food banks. And we just all came together and shared what we had and what we could offer each other. And so for me, that that would have taken me years to do in any other situation. But in the space of two months, we built up all these great relationships. So it enabled me to sort of get a map of what's going on and also work out what I think we can offer. I also, for my sins, have become chair of the Local Community Development Trust, which is an organisation that runs the Papermaking Museum in Pennycook for the aforesaid heritage of the town, and also runs the Town Hall Cinema, on a cinema on a Sunday evening, well, we used to before COVID, and uh, a, a connecting point in the Town Hall on Saturday. We had two language groups meeting, and tea, coffee, chat, all that sort of thing. And we tried to work out what to do next. What I wanted to do was to try and preserve and encourage even more of what had been happening during lockdown, after lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed to me this was the a, a, a right moment in time, one of those kairos moments, to use a good Greek word, uh, You know that everything was coming together that said, this is the time to do something. So the Development Trust, together with the Community Council and all these other groups that meet up with the with the resilience group, agreed that we would set up a website and uh, called pennycook.org.uk and we'll have some pages on it where people can start to tell their stories of lockdown and they can affirm and recognise people in the community that have done things for them. So we're not asking about what did the Rotary Club do, but what did Bob Next Door do for you and getting people to offer that up but also we've got like an in memoriam page. So people that have died during the year that we haven't really been able to celebrate their lives properly in the community to, to start recording that. And just for people to record their reminiscences as well. So there's like a, a, a historical archive of people's lockdown. Wow. That's just about to launch. Okay. And we've we've written a draft sort of vision for Petticook. And what we want to do is consult the community on it. And the draft vision says, we want Pennycook to flourish and be a resilient community where residents of all ages are able to meet their full potential, where people know their views are important and influence local decisions, where we work together to develop a very strong and capable community that cares for each other and that helps, sustains and supports people at every stage of life and cares for our environment. It's a bit long, but we just thought, let's have something yeah. out there and engage people. So. That will happen hopefully in about two weeks' time before we get too much into Christmas.
0: Wow. So it's all very live this. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. now you're you're you are you are you are a rector, you're the rector of Pennycoop. And uh, St. James's, yeah. Uh, yes, you have two two parishes, don't you? Whatever you call. Them. You're obviously I mean i speak as not a not a churchgoer, although my, my parents did. So I kind of know the traditions, but I'm not. Well, you obviously have a role kind of tending to your flock, if you like. Yeah. Um, but it seems to me you also feel a wider role in the, in the community for everybody. Would you like to just talk about what you, you think your role is in the wider community?
1: Okay. Uh, many people, and I think I, I buy into this, actually, a church is not there for the, really for the benefits of its members. It should be there for the benefits of the wider community. If you happen to be a member, that's brilliant. But actually, we should be looking outward. We shouldn't be an inward-facing group that just sustains ourselves. That's not what we're called to in terms of Christian mission. Now, occasionally I preach on this, I will always say to people that our job is to work out what God's mission is and then to get on and help do it. I say to people, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we talk about, you know, your kingdom come down here, not just in heaven. And so for me, it's all about how do we get everybody to be able to live their best life they can where they are. So flourishing. And, and I think for me, that's, that's what matters. You know, is to, I, it'd be nice if people were to say, yes, I'd like to become a Christian. But actually, that's secondary. I much prefer that everybody is able to live a flourishing life and makes the best of what they've got where they are. And that's what I feel I'm called to do.
0: That's flourishing. That's a wonderful uh, word, isn't it? And a wonderful uh, set of ideas. It seems to me that one of the things most villages in the city will have, and certainly almost every patch of Edinburgh has, is a church of some sort. And I suspect that these churches were founded in Victorian times and possibly before and used to be perhaps busier than they they maybe are now, uh, given the sort of trends in society. But but what do you think? We how could we be looking to engage our local churches uh, in community building efforts?
1: Do you think? Okay, I think you'll find there are probably two types of churches. Some churches tend to do corporate sort of projects, and so they will be ones that have a very visible project that does something. Um, And so, for instance, close to to where Mark lives, there's a, a. church called Charlotte's Chapel and I know they have a number of sort of large sort of major things that they do and they look very visible there'll be churches like my own where we don't run those sort of corporate projects but if I was to ask the members of the congregation what are they doing in the community they're making a big impact in terms of their own contributions and so I think just by looking at a church website and things don't always assume that if it doesn't look like nothing's happening then nothing is happening I think my second point is that most of us want to get engaged with our communities. Uh, and so actually to have people coming to us and saying we'd like to get involved and see what's going on, most people would be really relieved, which most of the time it's us having to go out and search for partners in crime. You know, to search for people that want to do the same sort of things as we do. And as far as I'm concerned, you don't have to be a card carrying member do them because we're both trying to achieve the same thing which is the flourishing of every citizen Mm. where you live so I think as long as people align to that then it'll be wonderful yes
0: wow that's really interesting so you you would welcome somebody knocking on the door and saying I'm trying to improve our community here and we've got some things that we wonder if we'd like to join in with yeah that's that's a that's a that's a good thing yeah very good yeah. yes okay well that's, that's tremendous so so what what might help suppose a village builder was to come and knock on the door what might help them get a positive response do you think what what sorts of things you know would would help uh, to engage someone like you yeah
1: okay I think most projects that are looking to support people in their lives you know coming back to you know some of the biblical stuff that, that a priest might quote back would be you know, Uh, clothing the naked, feeding the starving, giving water to the thirsty, uh, befriending the prisoner. You know, you can turn those into things within your community. So if people come and say, I'm concerned about, at the minute we're doing a project with refugees, people that are the new Scots that have settled into the area to see what we can do to help them. Also, we support some local food banks. Um, There's a whole range of things happening. I think if you come to someone, to a priest with one of those concerns, then hopefully you should get a fairly good response. Now, some churches will say, this is our project. This is what we're doing. And you may not fit in with it. I don't know. Depends on the resources they have and how they're working. Sometimes people come to us and want to do something. I say that's great. But for the next 12 months, we're focusing on this. We haven't got the resources to do X, Y and Z as well. But I think there's nothing wrong with going and having a chat. The timing may not be right, but it might be the right thing to do next year.
0: Yeah, so it might be a longer term thing, question of kind of having a chat, starting to kind of connect a bit. And yeah, then when the time thing. lines up or when there's space in the in the calendar or when there's a bit yeah. of funding or whatever it is, you know, something might happen. But if you've got that initial kind of connection and contact, uh, then, then that's always a great place to start. Isn't it? Yes.
1: Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's important we just create those relationships now as soon as yeah. you can, and then when the right thing happens, you don't need to. You haven't got to start a relationship from scratch. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly if you run and say, um, "I'd like to say hello," and by the way, we've got this really <laughs> rushed thing that we need to do. Yep. It's never, you know, it's better to ask before you need. I think, in in a yep. way, uh, yep. is one of one of the. One of the yeah. guiding principles, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and just while we're sat here, another question: I, If I was going to to meet someone, I, I I've learned the power of asking. And who else should I be talking to? Mm. Do you think?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, any cook. You know, we're not the only church. You know, there's three Church of Scotland. There's a Roman Catholic church. There's an independent Destiny Church, and there's a small Baptist church. Yeah, we we haven't we're not the monopolizers on this. And actually, the church ministers here all work together ecumenically really well so quite often if someone comes to us with something it's not a single church solution that the ministers get together and work out how to respond to it
0: mm. excellent okay so that's there's that, some really good uh, powerful tips and ideas there thanks i mean just uh, I, I put this on my list and i'm not quite sure what the answer might be but um, is there do you have a thought of how they might not go about approaching you what would be what would be um uh um, bad ways to do it,
1: yes, yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? um I think if it's something that isn't doesn't speak of how you want to care for your fellow man, that then it's not hopefully no priest will be interested in it you know if it's something that says, I want to set up a group that's actually. You know, far right uh, wants to, to, to drum out the immigrants or make sure we don't have them here. <laughs> Doesn't welcome people resettling from prison into mm. that street over there. I'd like to think most priests would send you away with a yes. your ear. I'm not too certain how many would. it might be politer than that, but
0: uh, yeah. yes, absolutely. And because it's in village in the city, the first item on our kind of manifesto of six things is inclusivity. And it's yeah. something I'm very, very uh, committed to is the idea of villages being there for all the people who live there. Yeah. They yeah. may or may not all want yeah. to join in. Yeah. but it, it shouldn't be about one group setting something up for itself. It should be about people setting things up for everyone.
1: Yeah. And, I guess uh, the only, the only thing I'd say is if you want to approach a church, it may be worth looking at their website. Do so they have a statement of belief or something on it? I know some of my colleagues that are certainly more conservative and evangelical than I am might have some issues about dealing with you know, some social issues, whereas I'm I'm licensed to, for instance, to to solemnise same-sex marriages. Luckily in Scotland we're a bit more advanced than the Church of England, so yes. our laws have changed so that I can actually marry people of the same sex in my church. Whereas some churches in Belicut they wouldn't want to know you you know. And so I think the things like that, it might be worth just checking out, depending on what you're trying to do, to just check what the creedal statements is of the church or their position on things.
0: Yes, and, and the churches do come in different flavours, don't they? Pardon of the do. way of saying it. But there's yeah. different sort of uh, priorities and aspects to it. Yeah. So, but I think that's a great tip because, because these days there are websites and, and churches do have, and you can, by having a look at that, get a bit of a feel for Most of them will have some vision
1: statement or a creedal statement that tells you something about them. And I mean, I used to work for Bethany Christian Trust, which is a a Scottish charity looking at homeless people. Mm -hmm. That was quite conservative in its in its style, and so you know, but it does tremendous work with people that have got addictions and are homeless, and helping them maintain tenancies. So, so, if that's your, if that's something that gives you a particular buzz, then. Nothing wrong with approaching a, you know, right. a church to help support that sort of thing.
0: We moved on to taking questions. And the first question came from Zareen, who's based in Ely in the east of England.
1: Just, just some insider tips, really, I suppose, because... Uh, and I speak for the Church of England, and I don't really know the differences the organization of these large institutions is pretty opaque. I mean, why do the 26 bishops sit in the House of Lords? Iran is the only other country to have clerics in uh, parliament. But given the direction our government is taking, and I do appreciate Scotland is advanced in some ways. Well done, well done. Um, so, how can we use the existing power, you know, that influences decision-making? Good yeah. question. Um, luckily, the Scottish Episcopal Church is just one province within the Anglican Communion. Uh, the Church of England is another, um, and so we are we we're we very separate, and luckily we don't send any bishops to, to the House of Lords from Scotland. There is a synodical process uh, which you know you can influence people. There's especially just been published this new um, bit of research on on dealing with sexuality that was issued earlier last week, this week from the Church of England. I think there are plenty of ways in which you can you can engage, but it is a monolithic, you know, behemoth of an yeah. organisation, yeah. and I I suspect it will lag a long way behind the leading edge of, of any movements to change but it will get there eventually um it needs more people on the on the edge pulling it along rather than people sitting in the center uh to move its center of gravity yeah. i think so it needs brave people to stand up and do things one of my friends at lancaster who's heavily involved in this work he cut he was a dalit from, from south india um you know so that uh mm-hmm. He's got the courage and the intellect to get involved and challenge at the oh. highest levels. So I think it's supporting people like that and, and getting behind them and letting them know they're not a lone voice is really important.
0: Thank you, thank you, Zareen. Uh, folks, who else? Who else has a question? Suzanne, yes, please.
1: Hi. Good evening, yes, all. Suzanne. Nick, I was wondering, you mentioned you were working on creating a vision. Well, you have created a vision and you will be consulting on that soon, whether you're a local community. And I wondered, how did you get to the vision? And if you could share a little bit, if you have used some ABCD asset-based sort of tools for bringing that vision together, just sort of curious about that. Yeah, okay. COVID has made this really difficult because normally you'd be out. I'd be out knocking on doors, doing what I like doing best, talking to people, going around the streets, meeting people, going to the pub, going to the bookies. I always just cause a stir in my previous place till I got to know me when I walked into the bookies with my dog collar on. Um, you know, no places off limits. Go in everywhere, chat to people, have discussions with people, but we haven't been able to do that. So instead with the community council who are representatives of the community and with the community development trust, we consulted within those groups to draw up this sort of vision statement, which we think will speak to people. But we're very clear it has to be a vision statement that doesn't determine what happens. It sets a a direction of travel that might excite people. Um, And to still call it a draft. Until we've actually been able to go and consult people, not to say we've done this, agree it. That's not what we want. The message has to be this is a very provisional mission statement or vision statement that we've written. We really need you to get involved. So, what we plan to do is run a series of Zoom sessions. to actually invite people along to them to have conversations and for people to work on the, on the statement so that they own it rather than it being something that me sitting in my study in July or whenever it was, I wrote the first version. Um, now I've done lots of vision statements in my career and I know how to write them, but that, that doesn't matter. It's not, it can't be mine. So it's very provisional, has to look that way and we have to listen. Thank you very much. That's very helpful. I'm facing exactly the same challenges and I would literally knock on every door as well. And I miss it so much. Yeah, yeah, so do I. I, uh, As you may tell, I'm quite an extrovert. So all this COVID stuff.
0: You and I would get in very well.
1: It's done my head in. It really has. But um, there's a good book by, um, oh gosh, I've now forgotten his name. It was the Mission Aviation Fellowship guy. He wrote a good book on change management. And there he's got a very good couple of chapters on vision. I'll try and remember his name, if I could, Cormac, something Cormac, hang on, I can tell you. it's up on my shelf there. Uh, Off he goes. David Cormac, go. his name is, but he's got a good chapter on vision and mission stuff, which I found quite useful, and I refer to it a lot. Would you share the title of the book as well? That would be yeah. great. Thanks uh, for answering the question. Feel free to do that at the end, don't worry just now. <laughs> no, no, let's do it now. It's called Change Directions. It's probably well out of print, but you may find it in a...
0: It was published you, it there? you wave it in front of your camera? If you've got it in your hand. There we go. Right. Change directions. And life, church and business. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that uh, quite that's awesome. a good tip. Yeah. Uh, Richard.
2: I, I was just going to ask and comment on the issue of um, inclusivity and taking political stance that... Um, at the TEDx that's coming up on the 26th, which Mark is speaking at, one of our other speakers, a brilliant guy called Jack Woodhams, who set up a thing called Yorkie Dads, which is bringing men together, sort of fighting, being vulnerable, admitting their problems, talking about their struggles with parenting and sort of against toxic masculinity and so on. It's a really great project. One of the things he said was that. You know if two men are struggling with how to raise their teenage daughters they and they discover they've got that in common it can bridge gaps uh, issues of politics like you know that one might be a pro-brexit one might be anti-brexit but and they might ideologically hate each other if they didn't haven't met each other but because of the because of the fact they find they've got something in common uh it's actually a benefit and i was wondering you know in the context of the church which obviously is a very sort of values based you know fundamentally as a moral or aiming to be a, aspiring to be a moral organization without forming any judgments on that huh. i was wondering where, and i know also referring to zarine's comment about so taking a political stand do, do you think for village building you know the can cover politics or should it sort of avoid it? And I I don't know what the answer is. I'm just wondering what your take on that is.
1: I can offer a whole range of answers. Um, I, I think religion has to get involved in politics, but not party politics. Politics really means it's something of the people. And if actually religion means anything, it's about changing people's lives for the better, then campaigning for better social justice, for campaigning for... You know, issues of holiday hunger, but whatever it is, has to be part of our prophetic sort of preaching and and speaking into that space. Otherwise, why be a church? It might just be a group that then has a cup of coffee every Sunday morning and then goes home feeling good with ourselves. So, from my perspective, there is a an involvement in our community where we talk about social justice issues and all the rest of it. Um, and that is politics with a small p. It just so happens at the minute that it would mean that people are would look to be more leftward leaning. But I think within a community, they will have their own issues, um, and you you get led by the community in a way. Um, I I I try and lead what I do here. So you know, I've preached on what does the Bible say about sex. It says almost nothing uh, to explain why it is that I you know I'm happy to 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 solemnize same-sex marriages. And now I've got members of my congregation that don't accept that point of view, that they, they take a far more fundamentalist, literal view of the Bible, which I'm a bit dismayed about. They can't, you know, I can only put the information out there and they can make their minds up. Um, I, I also am a member, As so you'll see if I go there, you'll see I'm a member of the Iola community, which is quite a, an active Christian group, which has its own aims and objectives. Uh, which is very active in social justice Um, so that speaks to me and that again is an inspiring group of people that I learn from and helps me occupy this that sort of space which can be a little bit little bit interesting at times when people don't agree with your stances so again affinity is important
2: yeah I'm, my my comment is just that anyone who's trying to build a village, it's great to look for causes which unite people things people yeah. have got in common things that everyone cares about and like cleaning up your cleaning up your local park is unlikely to be divisive you know in, exactly. principle, in principle or whatever it is but, yeah. it's, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. but the
1: minute i've got I've got two churches, both of them are busy knitting Christmas angels to yarn bomb uh the town centres of well and the village centre where the churches are. And theologically the people could have very different ideas, but they're all happy to do the knitting. You know, so it's a silly example, but you know, it's just just how do you how do you find something where you've got a common interest and focus on the common interest in the same way that ecumenically in Pennycook Destiny Church will have a very, very different view on sexuality and how you read the Bible to me, but that doesn't get in the way of us ecumenically doing things for the community together. So, yeah, we can ignore those differences and work together where we both have a common interest.
0: I mean, this is one of the reasons I think that Village in the City is, is such a, a project of the moment, of the time, because we have a lot of very split communities and very split societies and people with very diverging views. And we are now in a position to talk just to people in our bubble. Uh, if we're not careful, and um, I think that uh, there's a great power in connecting with people who aren't like us, but you, but not doing it initially anyway, over the contested issue, doing it at some sort of you know community hog roast or uh, music event or or something celebration of something or, or community clean up event or whatever, um, where we can all work together and we're all working for our all of our benefits and and it's to ha- help these you know connections to happen uh, uh that that I think is is such a one of the powerful reasons for wanting to people to be thinking about micro local communities um and if i was to say i think 10,000 you said ten thousand, twenty thousand, twenty
1: thousand. 20,000 20,000 i mean we one of the problems we'll have to face is how do we identify neighborhoods there are yeah. distinct neighborhoods in pennycook um but I think they need to identify themselves. Sure. Because the danger is that we'll say, oh, that council state is one and that yeah, and that set of new houses over there is one. That may not actually be how the people that perceive may it. May
0: not reflect it, yeah. Because I was in, in, in sort of philosophical terms, I think in a way, 20,000 is too many yeah. for, for a village, really. Yeah, um okay. probably it's 10, I was talking to somebody in the town of Bigger the other day. Yeah. Uh, which is which they which is not a dissimilar kind of size, although a bit more spread out, perhaps. Uh, yeah. And they reign it's four villages, which all sort of meet in the center, and the center's kind of common property, but you could think of bigger in terms of four four patches all connecting to the center. And, and I think it's you know there's there's surprising power in the very local. That's yeah. one of the things I'm very keen to get people thinking about as we as we go forward with all this.
1: I just saw Sarahs in Dudley's It made me just think of a guy called Al Barrett um, who's Church of England Vicar in a bit of Birmingham that's almost under the M6. It's called the Furs and Bromfield estate, I think. And he's done quite a few articles on the work he's done over the last 10 years yeah. in that estate. And at one point it was an estate everybody wanted to leave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now it's an estate that has a waiting list for people that want to move wow. into it. Wow. So
0: what, say his name again?
1: Al Barrett, Reverend Al Barrett. Reverend Dr. Al Barrett, in fact. Um, he's George Fingling Vicar for, for that bit. Um, and his story's got a couple of things um, published, um, which I think where they were published. I've, I had them in my bibliography of my dissertation for my degree. That's why I've read most of his stuff. Um, but anyway, I'm sure you could find it if you dusted did a Google search okay. for Al Barrett. You'll find his stuff but that is really village size you know what one estate
0: uh, one estate yeah yeah Uh, Ah, thanks i'll look i'll look out for that yeah uh, Yeah. terrific bring them today to a close formally i'd like to say big thank you to nick for being our special guest for today uh very very uh, revealing very very interesting and very open about what he's been doing and how he's been going about it so thank you so much for that nick and thank you for joining us on this fifth podcast from Village in the City. Remember, you can find out more about the project, engage with us, download resources, and join our online community at villageinthecity.net. City, Villageinthecity, all one word, dot net. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next time here on Village in the City.